Greetings to the PATH family. Our slogan at the PATH is meeting you where you are. We invite you to follow, share, and check us out on social media. You may connect with us at any time, anywhere. On Facebook at The PATH Church or Instagram and Twitter at Join the PATH. Without further delay, enjoy this week's sermon. So we're going to continue in this summer series, y'all. And I have to be honest, this is uh, let you know, it is my first time doing a blockbuster series. And um, so I am, yeah. But before we get started, I want to know what you're interested in, okay? So what is your favorite movie genre? What's your favorite movie genre? Action, adventure, comedy, romance, horror. Okay, come on, comedy. Woohoo! <laughs> Science fiction, mystery. Comedy is going. Okay. We got, we, got a mix, we got a mix out there. So I am definitely a rom-com girl, okay? I love, anybody like romantic comedies? And I do like the black romantic comedies too, not to be offensive, but I love those. Um, but I, I definitely love Hitch. I mean, life is not about the amount of breaths you take. It's about the moments that take your breath away. Right, ladies? I love it. I love when he, you know, got this allergic reaction and his face blew up and it was so embarrassing. I mean, I love those moments. I love love and basketball, y'all. I still love love and basketball. So, I mean, I still love it. It's just the story. Girl finds guy. Girl gets rid of guy. Guy gets girl back. However, I just love it. (laughs) So you can imagine the surprise it was to me when God put this movie on my heart. It was such a surprise when God put this movie on my heart, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Because, so what we do during the Blockbuster series, let me just say this, I'm not preaching about Indy today in case you guys are a little concerned. I came to church and she's preaching about Indiana Jones. We use movies to tell stories that apply to the Bible, see how the Bible can fit it, how, how movies are useful in everyday life, how we can get biblical principles out of these movies, okay? So that's what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks. God put this movie on my heart. Now, in real life, I love adventure. I'm from the Bronx, y'all. So I grew up in an adventure. <laughs> Living in the Bronx is an adventure, okay? Become a disi- becoming a disciple at 20 is an adventure. The highs, the lows, how many, how, do y'all know about that? The highs, the lows, the all around, to be following Jesus this long. I have been married to Michael Patterson for 33 years. It's been an adventure. <laughs> the adventure of a lifetime. And we raised two kids, and we went through them teen years. That was an adventure. Our latest adventure was in Panama. So you know, if you know Mike, he is a historian, okay? And so you can, you can turn that picture. He is an historian. So now when we go on vacation, we can't just sit at the beach, which is what I like to do. I like to just sit at the beach for 10 days, get all the sun I can get, <laughs> never leave the beach, eat, sleep, and drink at the beach. Well, for the next part of our marriage, he has made me, he's made me, he's made me. <laughs> he has asked me if we could do some exploring when we go on vacation as well. So this is us at the Panama Canal. And we were doing exploring. I love an adventure. 
we went on this adventure with Derek and Bruni at Chisholm. It's great to take friends on vacation, friends who can, you know, help you get around, friends who can do fun things with you, friends you like to vacation with. Love to vacation with you guys. Do we have any Indiana Jones fans out here? Anybody like Indiana Jones? I figured it would just be a few of us because anybody seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, Last Crusade, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Some of those are very dark, dark movies. But uh, we've got, so let me just, for those who are not fans, <coughs> and let me just say this, I just became a fan about a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> like I said, I'm rom-com. But I got into this, and I'll tell you why. Dr. Henry Walton, Indiana Jones Jr., is known simply as Indy, okay? Guess what? Fun fact, they got his name from the family dog. That's where they got Indy, from the family dog. Okay, he's known for his signature hat. You see, that's why we got this hat up here. Did y'all notice that hat? Okay. Do you, do you, the young people in here that don't know about Indy, do you know about the hat? Have you seen the hat? Okay. And... Do you know about the whip? Okay? <laughs> well, the whip was used in Indiana Jones, in case y'all are concerned. <laughs> it was used in the, the thing. All right. But, all right. He's a, let's reel it back. Okay. <laughs> He's a college professor of archaeology. He wears a tweed suit. He studies ancient civilizations. He has, like, Harrison Ford plays him, and he said, for years I've been saying I want to play an ordinary person in extraordinary circumstances who happens to behave well for the benefit of others. Okay, so he happens to behave well sometimes, y'all. He started out just about fortune and glory. Fortune and glory. Where's my ushers? Fortune and glory. <laughs> Ushers, fortune and glory. And we're going to share some of that fortune with you right now. <laughs> we're going to share it. Just throw it out there. It's chocolate candy. We're going to share some of that fortune. As you get your chocolate, so this is why you need to sit on the floor, y'all. Because when we have stuff to give away, it gets given out on the floor. <laughs> but fortune and glory. So. Uh, Indy is a mess. Let me just say this up front. He's a hot mess. How many of y'all know about hot mess? Because we, we can relate to hot mess. He robs graves. He, he's a womanizer. He's not a good academic. He's a, hardly in the classroom. He got a bunch of family drama. He got forgiveness issues. And like a lot of action heroes, he got an issue with the women. Okay? He got, he's a womanizer. He's not this strong Vin Diesel and Dwayne Johnson who's untouchable. He gets hurt, he gets beat up, and he gets beat up a lot. I like him. He's human. But today I thought I would just give honor here because let me just say this. I give honor to the Indiana Jones franchise because those guys, Spielberg, Lucas, Ford, and now Disney, they took this adventure and took us on an adventure for over 40 years, y'all. 40 years. All right. Let me tell you, some of us, we, we, we're looking up and we're like, he's too old to be an action hero. He's 70 years old. He, his character is 70 years old. And he's a superhero. But so, hopefully we can appreciate that Harrison Ford is 80 making this film. He's 80 years old making this film, leaving a legacy of a body of work 
okay? His character is 70, and I love this. I love this because I got a pet peeve. I think in our country, we do not appreciate the elders as we need to. It's my pet peeve. I think that we don't honor the elderly, we don't remember them, we're not grateful all the time for what they have done to get us here today. We are here today because of who's gone before us. And then when they get old, we just toss them aside. And they don't have great services. This is my pet peeve, I'm not gonna get, a, I'm not gonna get off on that. But I like the fact that our superhero is 70 years old and guess what, his body may not be moving like it used to. Like when he was 40, because how many of y'all know that your body don't always move like it used to? But the brain. Do y'all know that? Anybody know that? Your body don't move like it used to. Martha, Martha's like, hallelujah. But the brain and the courage and the persistence outbeat all of his enemies with them. And so, you know, the Dial of Destiny takes place, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who's going to see it, in 1969, and India is a retired professor from Hunter College in New York. And during this time, the society has moved on, okay? They're putting people on the moon, they're increasing support for equal rights, and he's a man who's dedicated to preserving the past. So he's feeling out of place and forgotten and insignificant. I don't know if y'all can ever relate to feeling like maybe you just don't matter anymore. And maybe what you've done is not as important. Anybody ever feel that? Okay. So he's a grumpy old man. He's purpleless, purposeless. I said purpleless. He's not purple. He's <laughs> purposeless. And he's an umpa lumpa. He's just a momo of a man. Okay. He goes on this adventure to recover the Archimedes dial, um, which definitely is supposed to predict fissures in time, allowing you to travel through different points of history and change the course of history. Okay. Indy wanted to keep it out of the hands of the enemy, okay, the, the Nazi, right, the Nazis, because he didn't want them to go back and change Hitler's history. I have a question for you. If you could get your hands on such a dial, and go back, I'm not going to ask about a personal event just yet, but go back and change the histor an historical event. What would you want to go back and change the course of, if you could go back in history? Didn't go personal. That would just be a lot of stuff up here, a lot of stuff. Slavery, travel, Trump selection. 911, save Nipsey. Adam and Eve, that's real. MLK assass assassination, wow. Yep, wow. So this movie is about going back. I love y'all. Somebody said my life, okay. We're gonna have some great talks and fellowship after this about that question. Some really great talks. But you know, God is not just interested in our past. He's interested in our future. And so Paul says it like this, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So our eternal destiny, we don't really have a dial of destiny, but our eternal destiny is what God is concerned about. Our future with him, we were made for a future with him 
forever. So we may not be able to go back and change these things, but we certainly can impact the future today. We can do it today. You know, the Bible is full of uh, men and women that God has invited on an adventure. And I think God put this topic on my heart because somebody today needs to hear that the Christian life is the greatest adventure you will ever take with the greatest hero there ever will be leading you to your greatest destination, which is heaven. Somebody needs to hear that it is worth it to be on this adventure. And somebody needs to hear you need to stay on this adventure. And somebody else needs to hear you need to get on this adventure. Wherever you are, you know, we're on this spiritual adventure. You know, the key is not just starting, y'all. How many of y'all know that? The key is finishing. Plenty of people can start this thing. We start off real good. Yes, I'm here. I'm excited. I'm singing, Keegan. I'm singing with all of my heart. And then we run into a boom, obstacle next week, and we're like, I don't know if I can be here. I don't know if I could be singing. I don't know if this is for me. You know what I'm talking about. We all go through it. So, you know, we're going to look at, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to look at a character. We're going to do a character Bible study today. And one of my friends in the Bible, and his name is Caleb. He is in the Old Testament. We're going to look at Caleb and the spies. And so here's the background. As we look into the scripture in Numbers 13, it's midsummer somewhere in, in Israel where the grapes are ripe. And the Israelites are encamped around Kadesh Barnea, south of the promised land. The promised land is the land that God has promised his people they will receive. It is a promise, and God does not go back on his promises. But it's been two years since the Israelites have been free, they've been out of slavery. A year or two, they've been out of slavery, and they're walking around, and they've seen so many miracles. They've seen the Red Sea open. They've seen water flowing from a rock. They fought their enemies, and they've won. They received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, and now it's time to step into the promised land. Do you all know about when it's, you're right there and it's time for something great? You're anticipating it. Something's about to happen. God has something for you, and you are so close. But what God does is he commands Moses and the 12 spies to go up to the land and check it out. Do a report, okay? So in Numbers 13, the Lord said to Moses, and if you can see it on the screen, yes, I think you can. You can read it with me. Uh, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev and onto the hill country. See what the land is like, whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many, what kind of land they live in, is it good or bad, what kind of towns do they live in, are they walled or fortified, how's the soil, is it fertile or poor, and the trees, and bring back some of that fruit. Verse 26, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community to Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But, you see that big but? But, 
The people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Ammonites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Don't you just love Caleb? You got any Caleb's in your group? The person who's like, come on, guys, what you talking about? We can do this. We got this. God got this. Let's remember, everybody needs a Caleb in the group. Because sometimes we get a little discouraged and we forget, right? Okay, 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there were of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. So many Bible scholars uh, speculate that the Anak descendants were descendants of the Philistine giant like Goliath, right, who was nine feet tall. Okay, so he was, who was 9 to 15 feet tall. Take a look at this. This is Shaq. How many of you know how, how tall Shaq is? Seven, right? And who's the other person? Yao Ming's even taller. He looks like a giant. Who's the other person? Do you even see him? <laughs> so can you see why they were afraid? Them dudes were huge, and they were strong like the Hulk, okay? Let me ask you a question. What giants, what are the giants in our spiritual lives that make us put ourselves in the grasshopper category? Because when we look at ourselves through our eyes and not the eyes of faith or the eyes of God, we seem like grasshoppers. What makes us. What do we, how do we see ourselves sometimes? I think uncertainty, anxiety, fear, self-doubt, insecurity, my mindset. You know, I really, really, really appreciate y'all in here being honest. And I want to say hi to YouTube, which I forgot earlier, but YouTube, hello. We love you. We appreciate you here and all that you're, you're um, sending in to us as well. But thank you for the vulnerability and the honesty and the time to just Think about some of these questions that we all ask and answer them from the heart. Okay, here's the thing. Long before Numbers 13, God had already promised the Israelites that land. He said, it's your own land. It belongs to you. He assured them of total victory. He said, if you trust me, I'm going to send my angel ahead of you, and I will wipe out your enemies. You just got to do your part. You got to go. But I'm going to take care of you, and the land is yours. He did not ask the spies to go on up there. There were 12 of them. Ten of them went up there and gave that negative report because they thought they had to help God. You ever feel like you got to help God? They thought that, okay, God said this, but we see this. God said this, but we hear this. God said this, but we know better. 
because we know giants and we can't possibly take them on. God wasn't asking for all of that. He didn't ask them to help. So despite all that they said, you know, it is flowing with milk and honey. And the picture I had earlier, you might have wondered what that was. That was an actual picture of the land that Mike had visited in Israel, which is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's lush. It's beautiful. When Mike Angel went to Israel, he took that picture. It is an actual land, and it's beautiful. God had promised them, promised them success. But despite all that, they said, yes, God, you're right. It does flow with milk and honey, but God, you're wrong. We cannot be victorious. So that negativity, that faithlessness spread faster than any good news and anything. How many of you all know that negativity spreads faster than your faith sometimes? Just a lot of times. We got to counter that. And it's not about what the crowd thinks. We got 10 spies. They were all wrong. We got two, Joshua and Caleb, who said, we can do this. We can do what God said. They were right. Just because you get the most likes doesn't mean that God likes it. Doesn't mean he likes it. Because you get those likes. Because the majority of the crowd is going in one way. We got to understand that. That's real important, y'all. Because we can look around and we can get the security from what everybody else is doing. And I'm kind of tired of us thinking more about what everybody else thinks than not thinking about what God thinks first. God is like, I am concerned about, I want you to just do, I want you to go. <laughs> I want you to do what I, okay. So how do we handle being wrong? Because that's important. Those spies were wrong. They were dead wrong. Have you ever been dead wrong about something? We can say it. We're, we're wrong sometimes. I'll share. I had this experience driving, okay, when I think that the speed limit is one thing. <laughs> Am I the only person this happens to? I'll be driving along. They call me Leadfoot Sally. I'll be driving along. And I'll be like at, at like 65, you know, 75, because it was 65 or 75, and I'm just going, going, going. And then I see those lights go, roop, 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 and I'm like, oh, my God. The cop pulls me over and says, ma'am, did you realize you were doing 75 and a foot? I had no idea. I was dead wrong. You know, sometimes we're just so good at being right. I thought I would just take a few minutes to give us some pointers on how to be wrong. Because <laughs> aren't we good at being right? Are y'all good at being right? I, mean, I like to be right. I just, you know how to fight to be right. But I don't know if we're as good at being wrong. Okay. So it's like, wow, it's important to understand when you're wrong, say what you're wrong, and turn, right? Be willing to consider that you could be wrong. Just be willing to consider it for a second. <laughs> Pray about the ways that God can show you if you may be wrong, okay? Study God's word on the matter. That will help you. Seek to understand the situation or the person from God's perspective and not yours. And then once you learn all of that, change your perspective, <laughs> to God's perspective, and then apologize for being wrong. Amen. Apologize for being wrong. Sometimes we're like wrong, we just sleep it, sleep it under the cup. Nobody will ever know <laughs> I was wrong about that. 
it's just humble to say, look, I blew it. I blew it. Especially when you find that you're wrong about what God says. Like, I used to believe you didn't have to go to church. You can pray in your closet. I was wrong. Can you say that? Can you say, I am wrong? Say, I'm wrong. Let's just get comfortable. I'm wrong. Okay, it's okay. God's right. I'm wrong. I used to think you didn't have to give your contribution. You could throw $2 in the, in the thing when it passed by and it didn't really matter. I was dead wrong. Okay? It's important to really understand and admit when we're wrong. Okay? Caleb was able to, that man after God's own heart, he was able to see the same obstacles and immediately say, we should, we should go up. We should go up. Okay? Did they listen? They did not listen. So your words are important. God hears your words. Your words strengthen you. But sometimes people don't listen to your words. It's okay. Words are powerful. They have the power of death and life in the power of the tongue. You have to be careful what you say. Okay, married people, words are powerful. What are some things married people should never say? We should get divorced. I should have never married you, you dog. No, don't. Mm -mm. Okay? Don't ever call each other stupid. Don't ever, let's really, don't ever call each other stupid. Stay away from you never, you always, you just like so-and-so, that bum. Okay? Don't, stay away from that. Single people, single people, stay away from, singleness is a curse. What's wrong with me? I'm not good enough. God has forgotten me. I'm incomplete until I get married. That is a lie from hell. Rebuke that spirit. <laughs> that was just a little extra. I don't know where I went with that one. But just wanted to say, we need to hear about our words on this adventure. So let me ask you, if you're on this adventure for a lifetime, for a whole lifetime and you want to finish well. How many of y'all want to be on adventure and finish well, adventure with the Lord? There's just three quick things I want to talk to you about in Caleb's spirit that we want to implement. Joshua 14. Let's go to the next screen. Joshua kept on. Say, keep on. Keep on. It says in verse 10, now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said, this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So I am here today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out, just as he said. That dude believed God. He believed God. That was some hard believing with a whole heart. Guys, did you notice? He was 40 when he started. Anybody in here around 40? If you're not 40, you're 40? He started... So it's not over. He started this adventure at 40. Now he is 85 years old. Anybody in here in their 80s? 
We have some beautiful people. I love that because I, I, our, our folks, our uh, seniors, our elders in this room, uh, they remind me so much of what we're talking about today. They have that wisdom that I really believe the church, the community, the world needs. They have that experience. They have that love. They have walked with the Lord. We need to tap into it. I respect and honor you because you're, I'm just as vigorous. Miss Beverly is just as vigorous. She is just as vigorous. Mr. Bob, Tata, Martha, they are vigorous and they have deep convictions and they ain't going nowhere for the Lord because they've seen it already and they can tell you there's nothing out there. And they're wholehearted. They're on this adventure for life. So keep being faithful. Keep being courageous, y'all. We got some courageous people in this room. Turn to your neighbor and say, thank you for being courageous. It's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy to live this life, <laughs> to strive to walk for God, to be on this adventure. It takes courage, courage that you have already displayed because you're here today. But the key is, you cannot give up. You got to keep going. So what is courage? Courage is confidence in God's promise and God's power to fulfill. Sometimes we feel like we got to be like the Hulk to be courageous. We got to look like the brother out there who ushers who's big and tall. Yes, he can be courageous because he's got all that strength. <laughs> courage is this confidence in God's promises. You believe, and you won't stop believing. And Caleb said, look, I'm 85, I'm still going to beat them down. I'm still going to, it may not be me, it may be my people, but we're going to do it together. <laughs> we got this. Where are the people in this room who say, we got this with God, and we're not going to stop. We're going to be strong and courageous. You know, Indy, towards the end, he, he, towards the end, in the Dial of Destiny, he says, a quote, which I really don't know what slide I'm up to because I'm off script right now, which is a dangerous thing for me, y'all. I get off script. But he says, the next, I think it's the next one. <laughs> he just says, man, I don't believe in magic, like but I've seen things, things I can't explain. And I've come to believe that it's not so much what you believe, which he's wrong about that, but it's how hard you believe it. I think Caleb shows us what he's right about. It is how hard you believe it. It is important what you believe and how hard you believe it and how courageous you are for God. Uh, I love the fact that with our young people, I love y'all, because it's not easy to be the one to take a stand when your friends are out living their lives, doing their thing, smoking their smoke, sleeping their sleep, and you're the one who says, no, that's wrong. I'm not doing that. I appreciate you. It's not always cool to be the one to, you know, to, to stand in the midst of unbelief, of people making up their own Bibles and their own agenda and their own truth. I appreciate y'all just as much. I appreciate everybody in this room who's been courageous through our transition as a church. Guys, 
as we said before, we bought a building in a pandemic. That was courageous. That was courageous. We didn't just buy a building in a pandemic. We said, God, you're going to keep building it in a pandemic. And those of you that came out in that parking lot, it was scary. You know how it was? It was like, hi, 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 hi. I mean, we did name, we did tags, we did fist bump, we stuck, we were, y'all were courageous. This is a courageous church. God wants us to continue to be courageous and to face our fears. So I don't know, the next slide, go to the snake slide. Uh, Indy, 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 he was the next one. He had fears. As you watch these movies, you'll see, you know, God doesn't tell, tell us to be courageous because it's easy. There's plenty to fear, right? So, the, and the next one, thank you. His big fear, Julius, you could do the next one, with snakes. And one thing he, and that's why I wanted to get there, snakes. That boy overcame. He had to be in a pit of his biggest fear, snakes. He also had to be in a pit of ants crawling all over him. And what about them rats? I could not put the pictures up there because I couldn't even stomach it myself. You get the point. For some of us, uh, we, we don't have a problem with any of that. Our biggest fear is being alone being accepted. Our biggest fear is commitment. Some, we've been coming, some of us, to church, this church for, for a long time, but what's holding us back from really getting in and being wholehearted is we say, I'm afraid of commitment. Some of us, we're in relationships where we know we just need to go on and marry that girl. We need to marry her. We're, we're living like we're married. Go ahead and get that marriage counseling and get that right and go on to your destiny. Or, like Angel said last week, leave it alone. Let it go. But just quickly, I think I have to say this because for a lot of us in here, and what I've seen with women especially is right now, our biggest fear is, and I have, I have a lot of fears. Like, I have a lot of fear. Like, I... You guys know me, like, like I, I hear a shot, I hit the ground. I'm from the Bronx, okay? I hear a, a, a sound outside, I hit the ground, <laughs> right? My biggest fear has changed. It's very, I used to be afraid of conflict. Now it's more, more serious things. <laughs> um, but for some of us, our biggest fear is being hurt or getting hurt. Let me speak to your heart for a second. You've been here and you have no close relationships. Because you say, I've done this before with these church people. And I can just tell that one over there, she's going to let me down. She's going to hurt my feelings. I'm not too sure how I feel about that one over there. And so we build the walls up. They're really thick walls. Like, we come in and we go out really quickly so nobody can say, how you doing? We build the walls up, really, really thick walls, so don't even look this way. I'm not trying to have fellowship with you today. You know the walls. And at the, at the inside of it is this fear of that giant getting hurt. I just have to say, I don't know how to protect you from getting hurt. Because God didn't even protect Jesus from getting hurt. 
Hurt is a part of the adventure, y'all. It's a part of the process, y'all. It's a part of learning to become more like Jesus. So do we like it? No, nobody likes it. Yes, I just love it. Just hurt me all you want to hurt me. You did it before. Do it again. Just love it. No, that's not wise. That's unhealthy. Right, Alice? <laughs> We're not saying that. We're not saying that. But, but what God does is he doesn't protect you from hurt, but he provides for you through your hurt. That's what he does. So you can grow. Okay, so finally, Caleb kept on being persistent. He kept on being persistent. Like, as we said, walked and walked and walked and walked with those grumbling, ungrateful people. Y'all realize that he walked for 40 years and he fought another five years to get into the promised land with all those people who would have to die off because God said, because of your, your unbelief, you're not going to the promised land. Only kids under 20, everybody under 20 is going, but the rest of y'all will die off as you walk through the promised land <laughs> and you grumble and whine and complain and Caleb is walking right next to them. Joker's like, oh my, he, they're the reason why. <laughs> this could have been so much easier. We out here for 40 years walking in this hot sun. It's, he's keeping, they're keeping me from my destiny. He could have let that bitterness take him out. Those people, like we do sometimes. But he was persistent and kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going. And finally, finally, he gets there. And y'all, I tell you, he would say, it was all worth it. Because you know why? God promised him, you will go to the promised land. It will be yours. And your descendants will inherit this promised land as well. Did y'all hear that? Your faith, your courage, your persistence is not just for you. It's for your legacy. It's for your future to come. It's for your children downstairs in that children's ministry. It's for their children. He got to go into the promised land. And he got to take all of his family to come because of his faith and his persistence. All I have to say right now as I close out is one thing. Five things. <laughs> Give me that hill country. That's what I have to say. I have to say what Caleb said. If that's where he's going, if that's where God's taking me to that promised land, give me my hill country. Who's coming? Who out here is coming? Thank you, y'all. I'm going to pray before communion. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, ultimately, for the promised land of heaven. And the fact that all you want is that each and every one of us would be with you for eternity, God. And this is just practice. God, this is just the journey, adventure along the way that we get to have with you as you have your way with us, God. So please be with every heart in here, Father, today. I pray that these words would, um, your word, would be on their hearts, all of our hearts, and that as a result we would be more like your son in this adventure, God, and we truly, truly help each other to make it there one day. We love you. We thank you so much for the blood of Jesus, which is shed on the cross, the body which is broken. As we take this communion, we take it in humility and gratitude as we love you and serve you. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. New sermons are uploaded each Monday morning. Simply search The Path Church Atlanta in iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting service. Additionally, we greatly appreciate your feedback on iTunes. If you would like to learn more about The Path, we encourage you to visit www.thepath.church. We hope to fellowship with you soon.